Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So I'm very um, happy to uh, be with you and, and share the evening with um, Carrie Nelson and uh, and Sean Munding. Um, I'm going to talk for uh, just a few minutes to set the the context for what we'll be doing, and then Carrie is going to be um, uh, taking over for a chunk of time, and then Sean um, after her. Um, As many of you know, if you've come here uh, for a while, um, I feel really strongly that practice is more than just being quiet and uh, sitting on your cushion uh, and finding inner peace. Uh, I think that uh, it's uh, that practice is a is a way to connect with your uh, deepest wisdom and love so that then it can be expressed in the world and make a difference in the world. And uh, as anybody just picks up the newspaper every day, there's certainly a lot of suffering to go around to express our caring. Um, And uh, for me and for Carrie and Sean, one of the uh, one of the issues that's uh, foremost in our consciousness is climate change and what uh, what we're going to be um, looking at and facing uh, as a uh, as a species as a planet. Um, and I'm. As we we explore this a little bit about how our practice can inform addressing this issue and how we can make a difference, I want to say that this isn't obviously the only way to express your caring. Um, so I'm I'm not here to uh, recruit uh, you all and uh, make you uh, encourage you to do anything uh, other than what you're inspired to do. As I, I love the um, expression that I've used a number of times that Andrew Harvey uh, uses in um, um, The Hope, his book, The Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism, where he says, uh, follow your heartbreak. Follow where your heart is breaking and put your energy there. Uh, and that is uh, the best way to connect with your caring and to make a difference. So this is just one particular uh, issue that is dear to us. And um, Sean being uh, part of our community, and he's gotten um, kind of um, interested and inspired to do something, is... Uh, is wanting to head up a green committee uh, that uh, we can, those who are interested, can um, come together and explore and maybe do some uh, practice as engagement uh, 
both for our own development and also to um, express our caring. Uh, Carrie, if you've gone to Spirit Rock uh, and done retreats, you might recognize her as one of the main uh, retreat managers. Uh, She just helped out uh, managing for the um, February retreat that I led. She also happens to be one of the main forces in the uh, Spirit Rocks green group uh, and she can tell you a little bit more about that. And uh, she's also uh, spent a lot of time in the last oh, 20 years or so looking at engagement as practice and has developed um, workshop and leads groups and has written a wonderful um, workbook on um, engagement as practice. So you'll hear from her in, in a few moments, and she'll uh, lead us in some uh, explorations on that. Uh, before we do, I, I wanted to just share a few, a few things in the minutes that I have. First, I want to um, read to you a piece that uh, some of you have heard before, but it's uh, so pertinent and I think really uh, inspiring Uh, that I hope it frames what we're doing and also um, your perspective on practice. And this is from uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi's A Challenge to Buddhists. Uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi, who's been here before, the premier translator of um, Theravadan Buddhism in the world. All the thick reference books uh, are... Um, uh, most of them are translated by Bhikkhu Bodhi. And this is what he says, the the premier scholar and meditation um, um, scholar and uh, um, teacher. He says, if Buddhism in the West becomes solely a means to pursue personal spiritual growth, I'm apprehensive that it may evolve in a one-sided way and thus fulfill only half its potential. Attracting the affluent and the educated, it will provide a congenial home for the intellectual and cultural elite, but it will risk turning the quest for enlightenment into a private journey that in the face of the immense suffering which daily hounds countless human lives can present only a resigned quietism. In each historical period, the Dharma finds new means to unfold its potentials in ways precisely linked to that era's distinctive historical conditions. I believe that our own era provides the appropriate historical stage for the transcendent truth of the Dharma to bend back upon the world and engage human suffering at multiple levels, not in mere contemplation, but in effective relief-granting action illuminated by its own world-transcending goal. This, in my view, is a deeply moral challenge marking a watershed in modern expression of Buddhism, and I believe it also points in a direction that Buddhism should take if it is to share in the Buddha's ongoing mission to humanity. So, um, 
as we practice, just to see your practice in terms of more than just a, a quiet contemplation, um, this notion or this reality of climate change is, uh, is staring us all in the face. And the Dharma holds something very, very special in this whole um, conundrum. I've shared that my friend Bob Doppelt, who works with, uh, with the government in Washington, organizes around, um, 18 different environmental groups at, who interface with the White House uh, regularly and is one of the main uh, forces that have um, moved the White House to take a very strong stand. Uh, he came and spoke to a lot of the um, teachers in our community at an international Vipassana teachers conference. And as he as he said, uh, the Dharma holds the key. If we're going to shift our consciousness, the Dharma holds the key to that shift. He wrote a wonderful book called From Me to We, uh, where he doesn't get into any Buddhist jargon, but he names five different Dharma principles that need to be understood if there's going to be a shift in the way we address this situation. Uh, Let's see if I can uh, remember. The first is um, understanding interconnectedness, that we're all part of a system together, and that everything affects everything else. We don't live separately. Two, understanding um, the... Uh, importance of being aligned with our our values of non-harming, of sila, of the precepts, and having a spirit of non-harming. Three is understanding the law of karma, that actions have consequences. Deep understanding of this, not just, oh yeah, that makes sense, but a deep embodied understanding Uh, Four is understanding um, intention, that when we decide to make a difference, things can change. And then the fifth is understanding uh, compassionate action, our responsibility, our place in this human life, that we are stewards, we're not lords over, and we are... um, it is up to us, uh, to a large extent, to have an attitude of caring rather than uh, exploitation. Anyway, when he said, the Dharma holds the key, uh, I very much wanted him to make sure that all the Dharma teachers in our community hear that. And there's been a a beautiful development over the last a uh, year and a half of many Dharma teachers, uh, including Bhikkhu Bodhi and Tara Brock and uh, uh, Tanisara and Jack Cornfield and uh, Donald Rothberg, number of teachers getting together and saying, what can we do um, to both 
bring the Dharma to this conversation and also bring this conversation to our Dharma communities. And there's a wonderful website, One Earthed Sangha, that's arisen out of our collective interest. Um, And um, so this is some of the things that I've uh, been involved with. And I thought that we could have Carrie share what she's doing and how she can uh, perhaps uh, help us uh, get a bit clearer on possibilities and and then uh, Sean sharing with our community about uh, practical next steps that we could do for those who are interested. And if you're not interested, uh, then just uh, as an earth citizen, take in the information. So, Carrie. Um. And James just said I would uh, talk, I'm I'm getting the feeling you'd like me to talk about the workshops a little bit. um, You can do whatever you want. Yeah. (laughs) another way. Um, So, um, yeah, I I guess what I would like to share, and I think it's something that all of you can appreciate as part of a sangha, is I found myself in thinking about, well, what, you know, what is sort of my message often for people? And it really is around people getting together in groups and sort of the power of that and sort of um, wanting to talk about how... uh, uh, Just wanting to to lend some encouragement to that possible movement within your sangha for forming a group to to take action on climate. Um, And I guess I will premise that by saying that, yeah, I do... um, I do offer workshops on uh, one is called uh, One Small Difference, and it's for helping people who want to make a difference in whatever way. Um, it's sort of a, a little structure for people to become active. You explore interests and um, do a little inner exploration, and you make a little plan, and you've got the support of Sangha and of reflection, and then you do something. And it's just, it, it's that simple. And so that's, that's the One Small Difference workshop. And then the um, One Small Planet workshop, which is Climate Action as Practice, is um, actually, it's got that component to it, but actually it, it, the emphasis in the, um, is, is on the reflection piece. And it's looking at ways, and of course it's focused on how can we respond to what's going on in the planet, and it's really um, that each week, whoever's in the workshop, <clears throat> together we are all going home and doing a 20-minute practice, daily-ish practice, um, sort of supportive practices like being in nature, bringing our attention to the to information that we're taking in, you know, bringing our awareness to um, to uh, our footprint and compassion practices and things like that. So what I, what I like about that, the One Small Planet workshop, is it really does kind of, uh, it adds in the, a more proactive um, practice component and really integrates that with um, people taking action and sort of sharing around how to take action. So that's possibility for, you know, as, as Sean talks and we'll see what you guys do, but I'm totally happy to help support something that might grow out of this room. And um, so 
I guess what I wanted to share, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go to my notes or not, but I think I will actually read something to you which inspired me. And um, this is actually in a book that I've lent to somebody, but luckily it was quoted in here. Um, you know how you lend your favorite books to people and they go walking away. So I, I loaned out um, Blessed Unrest by Paul Hawken. And um, really, um, so I'll just read you this quote. So he's basically talking about the beginning of the about the environmental movement. And he said, there is another superpower here on earth that is an unnamed movement for different and bigger and more unique, far different and bigger and more unique than anything we have ever seen. Nonviolent, grassroots, no central ideology. The very word movement is too small to describe it. No one started this. No one is in charge of it. It is global, classless, unquenchable and tireless, arising spontaneously from different economic sectors, cultures, regions, and cohorts. Growing and spreading worldwide, it has many roots, but primarily the origins are indigenous culture and the environment and social justice movements. This is humanity's immune response to resist and heal political disease, economic infection, and ecological corruption caused by ideologies. This is fundamentally a civil rights movement, a human rights movement. This is a democracy movement. It is coming. It is the coming world. I encourage you to read the book as well. It's really quite amazing. And um, I found this to be true. Actually, I was. I found this very this this vision quite confirmed when I uh, went to the People's Climate March in New York last September, and um, was just amazed to be, find myself in a sea of activists. It was like a sea of 400,000 people who were all very deeply committed. Well, you know, maybe not every single one, but, you know, on the whole, uh, this huge mass of people who were very dedicated to doing what they could to shift things. And um, it was really a deeply, deeply inspiring experience. And that is groups, and that is people getting together, doing this, you know, taking this one little idea, this one little possibility, and just, you know, we keep nudging, 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 and these little nudges go somewhere. Um, So, let me get back to my notes. Um... Oh, so going back to Spirit Rock, um, it was really sweet because the other day, I'm, I'm actually still managing a retreat as we speak. doesn't look like it, but I am. And um, this is now, this is a two-month retreat, actually. So uh, James was teaching in February, and now there's a group of teachers in March. And so they're getting towards the end now, the ones that stayed for two whole months. And um, said so But I was sitting there, and I was like... Um, and I was just suddenly struck that everything at Spirit Rock is powered by the sun. And this is brand new for us. Um, James was amongst the forces at Spirit Rock who, were, who really advocated to have us get solar panels. And um, while we are not off the grid, so it's not completely literal, um, we are, the sun is powering the energy we use. 
And that was truly exciting. It only, this only got turned on about a month ago. They haven't even made formal announcements about it. So it's kind of thrilling, you know, these little, these little steps like that. Um, I, I was going to, you know, I guess I feel like I'm, I'm preaching to the converted if I start talking to you about my own awakening around climate change. Yeah, okay, well, <laughs> so just to say, I'm one of the people, I'm one of the... Um, one of those people who wasn't that clued into the environment. I've been an activist a lot of my life, but I was focused elsewhere, peace and anti-apartheid way back when, and divestment movement at Berkeley, if anybody here is part of that. And, um, you know, so, but the environment, I always thought, oh, there's so many people taking care of that. I don't need to look at it too closely. I'm sure it'll all work out. And, I, I mean, I had a sense in the last decade that things were getting bad, um, but then I went to see an inconvenient truth, and I, it, I just it f- flipped my my world around. I suddenly I came out of that movie theater completely, you know, obviously horrified, and um, you know, stunned into like, well, now what? Because it 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 was so obvious that the state of emergency we were in was not being tended to, and I couldn't understand why more attention wasn't being paid to this. And now, things have changed. This was several years ago. Things, things really are starting to pick up. I mean, we were having Obama, you know, veto Keystone. Uh, that was a major, major um, victory. Um, but there's a lot of work to do still. So anyway, so that was, that was kind of my awakening, and that actually is what led me to... Um, start looking a lot more closely at climate change. And I took a, I went to the Ecology Center and I took a class that they had there on, I forget what it was called, but it was something like climate action or climate, um, climate action workshop. And it was a group of people, about eight people. And, you know, we learned a little about the science and we did our footprints and we, uh, you know, tried to reduce our, our carbon footprints and, um, so that was a that was a great learning, and I, I do of course want to. If you haven't heard of the Ecology Center, you know you're you're blessed to have it so close by, right here, right here in Berkeley. Yeah, and it's had a huge ripple effect on you know especially like recycling and and stuff like that throughout the country. Um, so um, you know, I, I other things. I mean, I, I friend took me to. Uh, events and you know so I basically started to inform myself and I did start like so many of us do with something of the f- I, I always have a political focus but I did have a, a focus on well what about my footprint you know what what would be the just footprint for everybody in the world and I asked somebody this at one at a an event and she said oh it's something like two thousand pounds per person in the world this is not taking into account um, the inequities over time. It's just, you know, if you just took everybody, she said it's something like 2,000 pounds per person. So I was like, wow. So then I recognized that I actually worked with an organization, Spirit Rock, and, well, okay, you know, I wasn't going to get my footprint down probably that far, but what if... The average footprint now? I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know. Relative to... Uh, More people, you mean. I, I mean, is that compared to what, what's, what's the footprint that people... Oh, usually? Isn't yeah. it? Does anyone know what the 
average, it's like 17,000, 10,000 per person. Mm -hmm. I think it's around 17,000 per Mm -hmm. person. Okay. So it's like eight, one eighth of what, what most. CO2 for print. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so again, it's, it's a marker. It's, you know, you use that to start thinking about, well, what can't, you know, what am I aiming for? Right. That's why 350.org, you know, this is where we need to be. We're trying to think about where do we need to go? Right. Um, but at any rate, what was, um, getting back to the group thing, you know, I've usually been a self-employed person, but you know, about six years ago, I started working at Spirit Rock and I suddenly realized, oh, there's this whole organization here. So I asked folks at Spirit Rock, you know, can I start a group? And, um, they said, yeah, and you're, you know, as long as it's over lunch. <laughs> so I said, okay. So I talked to a few people, and we got together. The first meeting, I was just reminiscing with um, some friends who are still in this. You know, we're all still in the group. All um, staff yeah, from these, Spirit Rock. Yeah. Although I'm, we're now, call, you know, teachers are, are mm-hmm. engaging as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, this was a staff Spirit Rock group. And uh, we had something like 10 or 12 people. It's it's we've met maybe once a month every couple of months over the last five years almost, and um, we've had a lot of uh, little ripples. Um, so and I, I you know one of the biggest ones just keep keeping some awareness around the time. One of the biggest was um, actually well definitely Earth Day, but um, the uh, we decided to try and get green business certified. And when you do that, you're required to make all these changes like we now have low flush toilets, we've changed the composting system. So, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up to change your behavior when you start connecting with um, these kinds of systems. And um, Spirit Rock is, is a very high level of, uh, of green uh, compliance I think yeah. we're we're yeah, we're no, just we're, about we're, we're close to certification. Yeah. We it, but they have to knock down these old buildings that aren't won't let us be certified. And that's <laughs> it's very. If you go on the on the Spirit Rock website, you'll see green practices, and uh, we're we're doing really well, and much um, due to the work that Carrie and and the Green Group um, uh, pushed us towards. So that yeah, we're part of that. Yeah, but they're yeah, it's not just us. Um, yeah, so I, I did want to share one more personal example um, because, again, I, I tend towards the political piece. Like, well, how are, how are we going to get people more aware? Because that's really important. And um, I'll just say that um, uh, about three years ago, three or four years ago, I started, I, I just got this thing in my head that I really, really wanted to see climate change in the title of one of our um, day-longs, because I thought, you know, maybe that could have its own ripple effect. If you get climate change, mindfulness together in the title of a day-long, what might evolve? And um, chatted with um, a couple of teachers about that, and Wes Nisker bit, and he said, okay, yeah, and then we'll do it on Earth Day. And then he invited a whole bunch of people, uh, teachers like Joanna Macy and Malcolm Margolin, and, you know... uh, and it was our first Earth Day, and it was a tremendously successful event. And it, it was very much uh, beautifully aligned with the work that James and other teachers were doing. And it really, I think, was part of this, this fire that sort of happened two, three years ago, two years ago. Um, 
where our community really did finally start to wake up and start has really started to actively um, take on climate. So that was just a recognition that, you know, that was the smallest of intentions to want to have climate, you know, in the title of a workshop. And that just spun out. So a lot can happen when you do little things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. Uh, so I am going to now skip ahead. And I thought it would be nice to just do... You, you, we did just have a bit of an earth meditation, but let's just close our eyes for a minute and... Settle in. This won't this will be maybe three minutes. So just bringing your awareness to your body. Bringing your presence into the room. And feel where your body makes contact with the floor, or your clothes. Feel sort of the weight of your body, the gravity. As well, bring attention to space and to where there is no contact. The space around you, the space in the room. You can even go as far out as the universe. And just notice that you are resting on the earth, that you're sort of growing out of the earth. That you're part of this planet. And maybe just feel a little appreciation for being here. And pretend I rang the bell. Thanks for doing that. So let's just do one little exercise together where you'll, you'll get into groups of three or four. We won't do, take long. Maybe we'll do it for three minutes. And um, you're going to answer the question. You're going to basically do this. So you're going to say, and you, you just go around in a circle. So three people, four people, whatever it is. And you're going to say, I would love to give the earth blank. Or 
I would love to give humanity fill in the fill in the blank, okay? And not a lot of pressure, you know, if you don't think of anything, you don't have to say anything, but just um, just organize yourself just briefly. We'll do this for as a very brief exercise. And do they keep on going so just around? Just keep on going around. You're not doing just one each. So until we ring the bell, I'll ring in about three minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And then you'll stop. Okay? So I would love oh, to okay. give the earth. I would love to. Yeah, I would love to give the earth fill in the blank. <laughs> I or would humanity. love to give humanity. Okay, start, start finishing up. And uh, you can thank your partners and come on back. And uh, before we hear from Sean, just uh, maybe there's some comments, anything that, uh, that came up from that for, for you. Uh, anybody want to share? Let's see. And uh, hey, Andrew. In trying to think of what to say, I was again kind of confronted with a what you might call a humanistic or human-oriented, uh, and I and I hate to use the word versus, but versus uh, conservationist kind of attitude, um, feelings about justice and safety and enough food and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all. Thank you. Uh, I was aw- I was aware while I, we were going around in a circle and sharing that I, I felt very connected to what I was saying mm-hmm. about the earth particularly, as if I was kind of speaking to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, someone said, um, I would love to give humanity the feeling of being forgiven. Say, say again? The feeling of being forgiven. Being forgiven. Yeah. Uh, you'd like, the, hopefully, the earth to forgive us? No, we'd like people to feel forgiven. For people to feel forgiven. Yeah. Say more. Oh, I didn't say that. But I said I would like to give, um, I would like to give people forgiveness. Because I oh. sometimes, I've resented, like, when, like, like I cared about like you know not having a big carbon footprint or like eating beef because it like there's uses so much water um and fossil fuels and resources to make um and like people around me not caring or it seeming like they didn't care about that and um i I guess I would like want to give that forgiveness to myself that forgiving them for not you know, acting the way that I want them to or seeing things the way that I would like them to, you know, and accepting them. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not used to microphones, but um, I, I found when I was saying, when I, the question felt really large to me mm-hmm. and um, almost too large, and then I immediately felt my insignificance. And then I... 
as I would, something would just come out as I just allowed myself to articulate whatever came from my heart. Well, I didn't judge it, I just said it. I found that my insignificance, it started to feel like, well, this is how it starts, and like the small to the large, and I started kind of, you know, while we were going around, I was having that whole experience, um, and even just connecting the three, it's just sort of as a genius <laughs> suggestion and exercise to just, I immediately felt connected, um, whereas I don't always, when I come here um, on um, Thursday evenings, I get a lot out of the evening, but I usually go, I show up alone and leave alone, and, mm-hmm. and this was really a special mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Thank you, and this is one of the things that we we want to um, um, communicate and have people have an experience that when you feel connected, it changes it from feeling isolated, helpless, despairing to, oh, I'm part of something. It's one of the things, I've gone to some of the green group meetings and there's juice there. It's like, oh, we're doing something here. And I've I've shared here, the, uh, the teachers got together. Uh, it was one teacher meeting looking at uh, different issues that uh, the people wanted to look at. And half the teachers wanted to talk about climate change. And we started off feeling somebody was in, in a kind of depressive uh, stance on it. Oh, not much to do, you know. And then as the conversation kept on going, we were there for about 45 minutes and we were saying, oh, what, what can we do? And And it just started taking a whole different turn, and by the end of those 45 minutes, we just were feeling so great. And we said, wow, what a difference from 45 minutes ago, because we were connecting with each other and sharing. And that's what really the essence of what we want to communicate here is, as I've shared before, that there's... Uh, studies that have shown that when you're holding, when somebody is holding your hand, your capacity for pain physiologically as well as emotionally is much greater because you're, you're holding it together and you also then can allow for all the, the goodness and the caring and the love to be expressed and not just the head that says, oh, I can't do anything. So it's that connection that's, that's the key. That's what we want to create a possibility for. Thank you. Maybe one last one and then... I guess my hope for the Dharma and climate change, because I'm kind of new to the Dharma and climate change connection, but I just see so much really, really difficult emotion around climate change because it's just a really, really <laughs> hugely difficult. And guilt and shame and hatred, you see somebody doing that and you hate them and activists can get really into hatred. And so I'm just hoping that... Um, I feel as though if we can do something out of compassion and joy, um, and what James is saying there kind of feeds into that, being together, and have people feel good about taking care of the planet. And all I'm trying to do right now is everything I do, I try to realize that it has an impact on my Mother Earth. And so every little thing that I do, I just try to think about that. And I figure maybe I'm making a dent in doing that as a start. So anyway, thank you so much for this. Yeah, and, and what you're saying is, is really, I feel so important that there's lots of feelings that come up. 
helplessness, despair, frustration, outrage, uh, anger, all of those. And it's important, it's essential to make space for them all, but to not act from that place because underneath all of those feelings is this deep care. That, that's why it hurts. So if you can stay connected to that caring, to that place that just loves the planet, loves the earth, loves life, and let your actions come out of that source, then it becomes a, a joyful responsibility, as Julia Butterfly Hill says. And going to first holding or part of it, allowing ourselves to hold all of those feelings but to move from that, that deeper place, much more magnetizing than, um, than the sky is falling and you know, there's, there's no hope. So. so with that in mind, I want to uh, turn it over to Sean, who um, um, is going to be um, uh, leading a uh, green committee that we invite anyone who wants to join us in. So, Sean, take it away. Is this working? Can you guys hear me? Okay. Uh, I'm going to be quick here because I really want to hear a lot more from you all um, about what you're doing and what you want to do uh, with the Green Sangha. But I was just going to read some positive things because I have actually a, a page of of the the bad things are happening in the environment, but um, more coal plants are being canceled than built. There has never been more resources invested in renewables, uh, uh, wind, solar. The whole world's moving in that direction. Um, one of the world's largest solar energy farms is now open in California, just opened recently. Um, and there, here's a couple in the world. Uh, in 2014, Denmark generated 39% of its electricity from wind. And uh, wind power provided 107% of Scotland's power in November. I, I don't know about the rest of the year. But, but that was <laughs> so they had a good November. But, um, and then uh, I, I just wrote something here uh, that I wanted to share with you. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot. At James and Carrie and I have been talking about it. And and um, trying to put together um, how I feel about all of it. And uh, so I wrote this. Um, As a society, we've been living under a misunderstanding that we're separate from each other, from our planet, and from the universe as a whole. Global warming and climate change are signs that the earth is reaching the limits of the resources it can provide for us at our current rate of consumption and waste. With the planet's help, we're now waking up to the truth that we're all interconnected, each organism dependent on the other for survival. From the oceans to the stars, we're truly one. And I just wanted to open it up again to you all and to see what you're doing um, already, because I'm sure there's a lot of people um, that are already uh, have interesting things happening, like Michael was saying. And uh, um, if you're interested in the the Green Sangha committee, we have a um, sign-up sheet in the back. 
um, and uh, we'd love to have you. So I'm uh, striving on multiple levels. In 2007, I had to re-roof my house, so instead of doing it black, which it was previously, I put a white roof on, and I put in solar panels. And they told me I needed a 3.8 kilowatt system for my use, but I put a 4.2 system in because I had enough space on that side of the roof that faces the sun. And last year, I had $580 more energy generated than I used. So that was seventh year. And I, um, I'm actually from an agricultural background, but I never really realized how much pesticides and stuff, since we grew cows, um, were used in lettuce, which is one of my very favorite vegetable products. Um, so now I grow my own mostly leaf lettuce, because in Berkeley I have no luck getting heads. Um, so I try to do that, and also commercially prepared, like when the herbs you buy at the store, most of them are very high pesticide um, quantities used. And uh, so I grow most of my own herbs. And I have to tell you that when you buy organic food, it's not always, you can't trust it, so you should wash it anyway because I uh, have known organic farmers who were going to lose their farm because they had an infestation of something. They were certified, but they still went out and used pesticides. And since they weren't used to using them, they used more than they should. So... Uh, my ex-husband is a chemist and was, on several occasions, went out to buy organic things to use as controls for pesticides he was testing, and he found the very same pesticides on those. So they optimally were going to be the controls, but they didn't succeed. So you do have to be aware of those things. But just little things, what you can grow yourself. I try to wash out and reuse my plastic bags that I have and not buy more, just the ones that things come in. So the little things you can do. Hi, I'm so excited about this topic. Um, I'm living in a vegan house, and we have uh, our own gar- like a pot garden in front, and then we also have a plot in the community garden um, where we resource with people, and we live in North Oakland, so it's an interesting... Uh, mix of people and um, importantly my housemates are all involved in environmental um, they they all have degrees in environmental studies and things like that and um, one of them uh, was doing organic farm organic urban farms to grow food to educate people about permaculture and how to grow your own food and recently she switched not her line of work, but where she does it. So now she's doing it in West Oakland. And um, uh, she is educating people um, about permaculture and then presenting the food at various corner stores and things like that and by Children's Hospital in Oakland. And um, So I I wanted to share that because it sounds like if we have a green committee, we want to know who knows how to do things like this. And, um, yeah, thank you. Um, if you all haven't uh, read the the email from Ernie that was sent out um, yesterday or, or the day before, um, it's about California and its drought. 
Um, and just I'll, I'll tell you in just a, a short way to do it is that California has now had four years of um, a drought with um, levels below what we usually have. And this guy, there's a, it, this is all in the L.A. Times, which is professional, evaluated what's going on uh, in Central Valley and, also, and other places. But essentially he's saying that California has one more year of um, water and if we don't get that water, it's going to become more drastic, of course. So what I'm asking everybody here is to uh, share that information, be really um, responsible for the, for the kind of water use you use. Don't do your, wash your cars, whatever. We're not going to do a garden this year. So um, it's, it sounds pretty serious. If you want to look at the article, uh, let's see, if you're not... Uh, uh, a part of or, or getting the Yahoo group notices, um, you might sign up for it. Uh, so, anyways, thank you. Yeah, the article is by a, a NASA scientist named James somebody or other. And I also saw something today that in Taiwan, there's a large city where uh, several neighborhoods in the city are cut off from water completely two days a week. And uh, we're heading that way. But what I want to comment is something quite different. Um, A lot of the environmental movement, and what we're talking about here, is on a very individual, personal level. Buy a Prius and put your solar panels on and don't flush your toilets. And what I'm really missing in the environmental movement, and I'm not about to jump into this, is a real confrontation with the social systems that enable all this to happen. We live in a capitalist society where corporations are required to make money. I mean, legally required. And they're not required to take care of the earth or even take care of their customers, except to get more customers. And what I'm missing is just a look at the larger picture of the social system in which we live, which are fundamentally at the root of this. You know, the example that, uh, that Jaime is just talking about. There are large farms in the south, south part of the Central Valley who are growing almonds and they're growing tomatoes, which are high concentration of water crops. And they have political power to get the water they need. Governor Brown is about to build two uh, large tunnels to pump the water that we don't have from where we are down there so they can grow their crops. And nobody seems to be addressing the larger question of the social systems. I don't know what to do about it. I'm not about to jump into that fray, but uh, I just wanted to put that out. Thank you. Do you want to say something? One of the things that, uh, and we don't have that much time, but um, I completely agree uh, as far as, you know, it's good to do all these personal things, but at some point there, it sounds like there will need to be a groundswell of action, and actually Bhikkhu Bodhi is one of the more activist people I know and uh, he's saying you know we got to get out there on the front lines and sooner or later it will probably come to people getting on the front lines uh, and there's a there are a number of different movements happening actually in uh, in Kerry's piece about blessed unrest uh, one uh, one fact that I find Im- uh, impressive is that Book which came out 2007, there were between one and two million environmental groups caring about the earth or groups, uh, engaged groups 
And as they come together, as there's a critical mass, which usually comes about when there's a whole lot of suffering, when the suffering level gets big enough, people wake up, whether it's you in your own personal life or on retreat or in your in your daily life or globally when the suffering it's just going to be an interesting thing to see at what level will the suffering mobilize a change in an unsustainable system so what we can perhaps do is be part of that change and um come from that place of commitment and caring. Uh, and the divestment movement is one that's, for instance, gained tremendous traction. Kerry and the Green Group is looking at divestment uh, for um, things that some things that Spirit Rock are involved in. But this, this last year, the World Council of Churches, which is um, uh, the the spiritual home for 590 million people on this planet, uh, became very committed in a divestment movement. And that is one of, I think, a number of movements that will be happening. So we're in for both very for interesting times on either way. You know, the curse, may you be born in interesting times. And as my my friend Roger Walsh says, we're in a race between fear and consciousness. And uh, it'll just be interesting to see how this all plays out. At some point, waking up will be the only alternative. And let's see how we can be part of that waking up. So with with that in mind, you know, here's Sean, uh, and I will be very um, involved and supported, supportive in this uh, Green Committee, not just to, I mean, it'll be great to see, oh, yes, turning off the lights and getting an audit and stuff like that, but how to use this issue as a deepening of your own practice. And Carrie has offered to do a, um, a workshop uh, kind of, class over time for those who want to explore this as a uh, uh, as a dharma practice as well so anything you want to say before uh, we end i was just going to add that that carrie has this uh, um course called one small planet that's a six week course five, five, to, five six. to six week course and, and i'd really like to take it and i'd love to take it with all of you so uh, anybody that's interested, again, there's a sign-up list in the back. Uh, sign up, and then I'll get you more information. So um, we'll end in a moment. I just want to, before then, uh, share a favorite quote of mine by uh, Angelus Arian, who uh, says simply, Action absorbs anxiety. And if you feel at all like, what can I do? Just doing anything, particularly with that sense of connection with others, it absorbs your anxiety and, you f- and it's a magnetizing kind of a thing. So uh, I hope you are interested, if you feel at all anxious about this, uh, connect with each other. And it's a great way to build community, build sangha at the same time as... Uh, um, absorbing your anxiety. So thank you, Carrie.
and Sean for leading uh, leading this, and uh, may we all express our caring in uh, skillful ways. And just as we close, connecting with that caring for ourselves, for everyone in our life, for this amazing planet that deserves our love and tender loving care. May our actions support a healing internally, externally, globally. May our care for the earth have beneficial effects that connect with us with others and deepen our love and commitment to making this a, a beautiful conscious world and a healthy planet. Thank you very much. Have a great week and uh, see you next week.